Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us on our episode today. It's titled, What's Next? Black Swan Gobsmacks. What a weird title. (laughs) I'll explain that in just a moment. But this is the episode for Sunday, 21 March in 2021. So I'm glad you're with us today, and we're going to actually start right into this. Gobsmack, black swans, what what are we talking about? Well, I looked it up. I've heard the word, and I think I knew what it meant, but I just wanted to be sure, and you probably heard it, gobsmacked. (laughs) It means to be surprised by unforeseen, unexpected, thought-to-be-impossible events. Now, what are black swan events? Well, you have to know the origin of that term. For centuries, people thought that there were only swans that came in the white feather version, but explorers began to find swans that had black feathers. So when we use the phrase black swan events, it means a, a, uh, at least from the original view of swans, it means a, a very rare event or even an event that was thought to be impossible. But a black swan event that we get gobsmacked by is something that we just think just can't happen. Or we, we can't even conceive of the thing even existing. And yet it happens and we are affected. So what's next? And that's not a question. That's a statement. What's next? Black swan gobsmacks. Nassim Tlaib is a PhD, and I researched him uh, in preparation for this episode, and he really is the smartest guy in the room. I'm not just saying that. He's very smart. And he got his master's degree from the Wharton School, where President Trump got his uh, degree at the University of Pennsylvania in the Wharton School, but he also earned a PhD at the University of Paris. And you're probably wondering right now, like I would, well, where has he taught? Well, it's just, the question is, where has he not taught? He's taught all over the world in terms of his subject matter. He authored a book in 2001 called Fooled by Randomness, talking about this whole idea of, you know, what we would call being gobsmacked in a black swan event. In 2007, His book was actually titled The Black Swan, discussing how events that seem to be unthought of or random occur and they affect the world and the people in the world. And then in 2018, as far as I know, his uh, most recent book, Anti-Fragility. And what he's talking about there is if the world is going to be hit by events that it, it can't even conceive of and yet they are massive and huge, how do we develop a resistance, a defense against that? Instead of being fragile, how can we become anti-fragile? That idea. Anyway, if you want to read his books, I'm sure you will agree at the end, this guy is really smart. Well, right now, the entire planet is hurtling toward black swan events that are simply, they're just unimaginable. And, you know, we have seen some of that kind of thing with the the pandemic, and then the unprecedented lockdowns around the world and many similar events like that. Some of the black swan events that the world is going to be gobsmacked by 
are already known to a select few that are paying attention to ancient history, ancient predictions, and current events. There's not many of us, but comparatively speaking, it's a very small number compared to the entire population of the world that already know about some of what is coming. Now, at the end of this episode, get this, I'm going to give you a massive inside tip on the absolutely best short-term and long-term investments you can make going forward. So be sure you listen to the end. We're going to start in our scripture reading in the book of Isaiah. He was an Old Testament prophet. You can find that in the, the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, and you can find this prophecy in chapter 2, verses 20 to 21. So Isaiah writes here, under the inspiration of the Lord, so this is, this is the Lord delivering his message through Isaiah to the people of planet Earth. In that day, a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged mountains for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Now that's quite a prediction that these idols that people had made out of gold and silver, which were not only obviously objects of worship that they shouldn't have made, they should have been worshiping him, but they diverted from that and made all these pagan idols and they made them out of silver and gold. So these were highly valuable items. And yet it is predicted here by Isaiah the prophet that the day will come when they will simply throw away these silver and gold idols, which are worth a lot of money in order to hide themselves in the, the caves and clefts of the rocks and the the highest parts of the mountains for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth, as it says at the end of verse 21 there. That's a massive prediction. You see, you've often heard that gold has never been worth nothing. Well, not yet, but it's going to be one day. You could be the wealthiest person in the world, but when the Lord returns, if you're not ready to meet him, that gold and silver will be like just garbage to you as you try to get out of the presence of the Lord. Ezekiel is another Old Testament prophet. And we're going to read in Ezekiel 7, verse 19, um, this verse. They shall cast their silver in the streets and their gold shall be removed. Their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They shall not satisfy their souls, neither fill their bowels, because it is the stumbling block of their iniquity. So Ezekiel here talks about the fact, again, that these items that people worship that are actually, um, I guess you could say, repositories of value, their gold and their silver, they are, first of all, they're useless, and there will come a day 
the day of the wrath of the Lord when they will cast away from them this silver and this gold. So there is coming a day in world history, yet future, when silver and gold will be worth nothing. Zephaniah is another Old Testament prophet. He said in Zephaniah 1 verse 18, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all of them that dwell in the land. So Zephaniah gives the same prophecy. There is a day coming, the day of the Lord's wrath, when silver and gold will not be worth anything. James in the New Testament, he writes in the letter of James uh, toward the back of the New Testament, if you're looking for that, in James chapter 5, verse 3, James says this to the unsaved rich people. Now, there could be saved rich people that he addresses and but, uh, you know, and they should use their wealth to honor the Lord and help people. But the ungodly rich, that all that they make is just for them and they even take from others. Uh, James has a word for them. James 5, 3, your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Wow, this is amazing. I've just shared with you several prophecies from the Old and the New Testament, a teaching in the New Testament there, where the days will come where gold and silver will be useless. There will be a day when gold will actually be worth nothing. In fact, you could even say in James 5, 3, for this particular crowd is alive when this happens, who don't know the Lord and they worship their wealth, that actually <laughs> to have it will be a negative. It will be a witness against them. And he says here, and she'll eat your flesh as it were fire. Wow. Well, when could this be talking about? Well, it's still yet future, but it will be a real part of the world's experience when it happens. If we go to the last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, so let's call it Revelation, the short name for it, Revelation chapter 6, we're going to read the entire chapter. Now I know that this is going to be right here, more Bible than some of you have read in the whole year that's just passed. Shame on you. I said it, but we're going to help you out here. We're going to read this chapter right now in Revelation 6, 1 through 17. You could say that this is a panoramic view of the last days, some of the things that are going to happen and the return of the Lord and the judgment of the lost. So all of the details aren't here, but it's just big picture. You got that? Revelation 6, 1 through 17. And I saw when the Lamb, now who's the Lamb? That's Jesus Christ, okay, the Lamb of God. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, 
And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, real quick, I don't have a time for all the details. This is the one that we normally call the Antichrist, the beast, the very last world leader of this coming global government that Christ will destroy when he turns. Notice that he comes on a white horse. In ancient times, if a king rode a, a donkey or a mule, it was considered, okay, this might not be too bad. It's a time of peace. But if that king was riding a white horse, look out, war's on the way. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow. Now, it's been pointed out by many before me that it doesn't say he had a bow and arrows. And it may be that he only has a bow because we know that he will destroy initially. He will take over through peace. So that may be what's meant here. And a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Verse 3, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So we see that war is in the future of the world. Verse 5 in Revelation 6, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. You know, like a, a scale that, um, you know, goes up or down on either side. That's what he has. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So this is indicating that in the future of the world, that the price of food, the price to eat, will cost you a day's wages. I don't know how much you make a day, but if you had to spend everything you earn today in order to have a little bit of food, that would be a problem. And yet in the midst of that difficulty, we see that the oil and the wine around the world continue, like the luxury things, I, I would say, is what that's talking about. Verse 7, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Wow. So we see here that death rides this pale horse, you know, sort of a greenish horse, like a, 
like a corpse. And notice it says here, and I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth. Now I'm terrible at mental math, but whatever the population of the world is, when this occurs, a fourth of the part of the earth is going to die by war, that's to kill with a sword, and with hunger, that's obviously starvation, and with death and with the beast of the earth. So even, even the animals in the world would be killing people. And you know, somebody pointed out that this could, could also imply uh, all, all the organisms we can't even see that make us sick. And that, we certainly see that starting to happen. Amen. Verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Well, these are people that know God and they share his word and they lose their earthly lives because of their witness for the Lord. Now, buddy, if you don't think that's an issue with God, you have another thing coming. Look at verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Verse 11, And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them, that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Watch this, verse 15 and 16. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Now, my friends, as you've heard that, many of you have heard it for the umpteenth time, and you're saying amen. Many of you who are listening to this have never heard what I just read. You may even be in church a lot, or you may be a person who doesn't believe in God at all. And yet, as I read this, you can already think in your mind of the trends you see happening in the world now that could make all of this possible. And it will all happen, just like he said. 
I promised you that I would give you inside tips relating to short-term and long-term investments. And I'm going to do it, but it's not going to be exactly what you think. Let's talk first about the short-term investment you can make. You can make, rather. And here it is. Are you ready for this? Write this down. Food. (laughs) That's right. F-O-O-D. Food. Now, I don't mean food company stocks. I mean buy food to eat and water to drink. Somebody said that we are only six meals away from world anarchy. Man, is that ever true? If you have a city where there's um, a, a natural disaster that occurs or there's social unrest, as we've seen so much of in the last year or two, when people can no longer find food where they used to and they can't get water, things get tense fast. You may have seen the movie World War Z, the zombie movie with Brad Pitt. Now, the interesting thing about that movie to me, and I'm sure if you've seen it, you'll, you'll agree, is in this zombie movie, the zombies don't just lumber around aimlessly. They, they have sprinter speed, like world champions. And so if you're being chased by zombies, I mean, they are, they are right on your heels, not walking eight miles away and take two hours to get there. You get the picture. If you haven't seen it, you can look at a clip of that and you'll see what I mean. That's the scary part of that to me. But in that movie, World War Z, there's the grocery store scene early on where where this disaster is beginning to unfold and people are in the store just basically rifling the store, stealing everything they can. And if you've seen it, you'll remember the scene where where the uh, Brad Pitt is... Uh, sees a police officer coming and he starts to surrender his weapon so he doesn't get shot by the police officer. And the police officer just stares at him a minute, walks right past him and starts getting stuff off the shelf. And I want to tell you, in that scene, these people weren't stealing money. They were stealing food. They were getting all the food and water that they could out of that grocery store. What a metaphor. Your best short-term investment is food. And I'm not selling it, so don't worry about that. But I'm just saying that if everything falls apart unexpectedly at one time, you better have a, a source of food and water to drink. Can I get an amen from the people in the frozen tundra of Texas only a month ago? Amen, I hear that. I bet now the people who live in Texas, the really smart ones, are starting to quietly put food away and water because they will never, ever again be in the situation of having no food. Man, I never thought about things like that, Pastor Ed. Well, maybe you should start, all right? Now, here's the thing. This you might want to write down. When we talk about a short-term investment in food, you know, it'll be different things for different people. If you're a a big rugged hunter and you live out in the country, you're probably going to 
start putting up game, salting down meat and all that kind of stuff and just have stuff to live off of for an indefinite amount of time. All of us don't live in that situation and haven't learned how to do it anyway. So we can store canned goods and dry goods. Did you know that you can live forever on beans and rice? You might not like it, but you will live on beans and rice. Can I get another amen? And that is the uh, uh, you know price per pound or price per ounce. That's just about the best thing you can have dry stock of is rice and beans. It'll last almost forever and it gives you high uh, nutrient content. And anyway, I'm not trying to advise you on exactly what to get. I'm just saying, hey, uh, through the great snow event of 2021 we just had in the South and other parts of our country, take a note, learn something from that. Now, here's the thing though. When we talk about food, Food can be used as a weapon so that growing it is prohibited. Even if you can grow it, you're not allowed to distribute it or even to sell it or to buy it or even storing it are all prohibited or very tightly controlled. This is a problem. Say, so, well, when could that ever happen? And it's already happened many times in world history and it is happening in places around the world right now as people use food as a weapon, a military weapon for political goals and aims. I'm going to give you a, a title of a book that you could, uh, you could check out. And I, I think I actually had a, a quote here. And I, I somehow separated it from where it is. Anyway, I, I believe I'm reading the right quote. But it's Dr. Alex Duvall, W-A-A-L, uh, D-E-W-A-A-L. He's a PhD type, but he wrote a book, Mass Starvation, The History and Future of Famine. <laughs> what a weird title. Hey, well, check this out. In the former Soviet Union, millions of men and women and children fell victims to the cruel actions and policies of the totalitarian regime. And who are we talking about? We're talking about the communists in control when Joseph Stalin was the uh, leader of the Soviet Union and the great famine that hit the Soviet Union. It did. I'm going to explain this in a minute, but just hang with me. The great famine of 1932 to 33 in Ukraine in the city of Holodomor, you can look that up, took from 7 million to 10 million innocent lives and became a national tragedy for the Ukrainian people. Mao Zedong, also a communist, Chinese Communist Party founder, during the Great Leap Forward in China, which the West, the liberals in the West, just loved that. Well, let me tell you about the Great Leap Forward in uh, the late 50s and early 60s in China. Mao used food as a weapon, and it is estimated that 18 million Chinese people were starved to death as, as a military weapon for political aims. Say, so, oh no, that can't be. Hey, you need to wake up. You've not been taught history, nor have you read it. And if you had, you would realize I'm telling you the truth. Go look this up. Look it up on your own. Do not just trust me. 
Now, about that Soviet Union thing, it wasn't just a famine that's like, oh, bad, bad crops this year, crops have failed. Uh, did you know that in history, there are many examples of controlling food and access to food and deliberately inflicting starvation as a weapon of war? And that is exactly what Joseph Stalin did in the Soviet Union, in the Ukraine, the breadbasket of the Soviet Union, it's called, to the Kulak people. Now, who were those people? Well, they were what we might call farmers, middle-class people that employed others, and they had vast farms and land holdings, and they basically fed the entire Soviet Union from Ukraine. Well, that wasn't good enough. Joseph Stalin that thought that he and the Soviets could do an even better job, so they just killed all them, took their land, it even became a crime if you went into your own property that had been taken from you and found like a tiny grain of wheat that the harvesters missed and, and you ate it, you would be put to death for that. Pastor Ed, you're making all this up. This is crazy talk. Hey, the crazy part here is where you don't know world history. That's what's crazy. What I'm telling you, is the truth. It's just been kept from you. Now, if you look at encyclopedia.com, food has been used as a weapon of war. Look for the article, Food as a Weapon of War, in encyclopedia.com. I'm just going to read this to you, all right? It's long, but it is instructive. Food can be withheld by preventing it from being grown and harvested, by destroying it after harvest, by preventing it from being shipped to where it is needed, or by contaminating it and rendering it unfit for consumption. Indigenous farming populations have been scattered or exiled from their native lands by conquering armies to make room for their own colonists who would subjugate and establish their hegemony over the local inhabitants and provide food and warriors for future campaigns. Ancient armies have salted the earth. And that meant that they, they put salt everywhere so nothing could be grown. The Romans did that. Ancient armies have salted the earth and destroyed irrigation systems to make an area unsuitable for growing crops. In the culmination of the Punic Wars with Carthage, in the 3rd and 2nd centuries B.C., Rome defeated the armies of Hannibal, destroyed his empire, and plowed the land with salt to make it infertile. The Roman practice of contaminating water supplies by dumping dead animals into wells has continued into recent history as demonstrated by an instance during the American Civil War when Confederate soldiers fouled the water supplies of Union forces with dead animals. There are no instances of widespread contamination of food during war in the modern era, perhaps because of the universal condemnation of such practices by all civilized nations. Sieges of fortified positions have been used since time immemorial to starve, demoralize, and physically weaken the ensconced ensconced in combatants, the people that were trapped there. <laughs> Pictorial representations in Egypt 
depicts sieges over 4,000 years ago, while the Iliad of Homer describes the siege of Troy by the Greeks over 3,000 years ago. It, like many of the numerous sieges that followed, ended not through force of arms, but through deception and treachery. The Spartan siege of Athens that ended the Peloponnesian Wars, 431 to 404 BC, was ineffective as long as Athens could obtain food by the sea. Only by allying themselves with Persia and destroying the Athenian navy were the Spartans able to starve them into submission. A similar maritime strategy was employed, but in reverse, by Emperor Leo III of the Eastern Roman Empire, whose forces destroyed the Arab navy, maintained food imports, and broke their siege of Constantinople in 717. Sieges often do not work because the besieged forces have stored or can obtain enough food for the duration or because the invading forces can obtain enough food or maintain their supply lines because of the surrounding hostile population. And that just about says it all right there. Did you know that history has many examples of that, of controlling food and thereby starving their enemies into defeat or submission? If you remember the movie Black Hawk Down about the American Rangers, Army Rangers in Somalia in Mogadishu, you remember that early in that movie, there's a famine scene where starving Ethiopians and Somalians are are swarming trucks that have uh, food on them, grain, I think it is, because they're starving. And the uh, tribal leader has to come in and he, I think he shoots a bunch of them with a machine gun, but he basically commandeers all of that food for his army. You remember that? That's one of the reasons that the American military was sent to Somalia because of the famine. Well, it wasn't like, it wasn't only that there were growing issues, maybe there were, but it was, the food was being used as a weapon of war. Do you understand that? And so that you even see that at the very start of Black Hawk Down. The Greeks in World War II were starved by the Nazis who occupied Greece. So growing it, distributing it, selling it, buying it, and storing it have been and could again be all prohibited or tightly controlled. All right, now. I said everything I've said to bring us to, we're going to wrap it up here, and I'm going to ask you some questions. There will be a quiz, and <laughs> this is it. Did you know that the world's best and brightest, that's with quote marks, talking about government leaders here, did you know that the world's best and brightest for about a decade, and especially recently, are actively planning a collapse of all the currencies, the paper money, in the world. Because they think it'll just be a nifty idea to have no physical money anymore, that money is converted to uh, all digital, 
And I'm here to tell you the day the money dies, freedom dies. Because if your money can be erased with the click of a mouse, that's a problem. Say, oh, well, that's never happened. Talk to the people in, I think, about three countries in Europe where overnight, this has been about probably about five years ago, they went to bed one night and had X amount of money in the bank, and the next morning they had a lot less because the government took it digitally because the government needed it and wanted it. Well, surely they got it back. Uh, Surely they didn't. It was just taken. When you have cash money in your hands, you determine where the every dollar goes. Does that make sense? Well, just know that the, the banking systems, all the financial powers that be are, you know, it may not happen this week, this year, or even this decade. I don't know about that. But the future direction of the world is to all digital money. And I know there will always be a black market and there will always be you know, bartering and all of that. I get that. But the main thing the whole world will be forced into is a digital economic system which can be controlled. You get it yet? Did you know that a digital point-of-sale economy is coming up next for the world? Now, this is not a secret. It's not even hidden You, with no coaching from me, all on your own, in about five minutes, if you go online and start researching, you will find that the, again, the best and brightest among us, quote marks, they think that with this digital financial system they they want to put in place, that um, just everything is just connected, and they're going to be able even to control if you buy or what you buy, or when you buy, that's control. Oh, no, 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 Pastor Ed. This is all for the betterment of mankind. Uh-huh. All right. You just keep thinking that. Did you know that prototype stores, at least a few, are being tested where with no money on you, like physical money, no cash registers, no checkout clerks, and and the only people who can gain entry to that that location where the food is, you have to have the approved digital identity, whatever that may be. Now those are being tested. I I read um I I want to say it was Amazon, but I I know I'm wrong about that because I can't remember exactly which big tech company is experimenting with this, it's coming. Doesn't that sound a little creepy to you? It's like, uh, 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 no, you haven't had your vaccination. You can't buy any food. No, you just come back when you have your vaccination, you know, your digital ID. Or, um, well, according to our records, you don't have any money as of today. So you can't come in where the food is stored. Doesn't that sound like, hey, what could go wrong here? You know, if if you don't see what could go wrong there, you need help. 
Did you know that there are UN documents, United Nations documents, online? You can find them easily. And they are about United Nations Agenda 2030, where you can read right out in the open, all for yourself, what the United Nations plans are for the populations of the earth. The the very clear theme is forcing the populations of the world into larger and larger cities where you're essentially not allowed to live in the country. Why would why would global elites want everyone herded into large cities? Because well, I tell you what, if I was waging war I would say because it makes those people in the cities more helpless and therefore easier to control. And note this, that in famine and starvation situations, people in cities are the first to die. (laughs) The message is clear, obey or else. Now again, if, if you're not reading between the lines here, and you're not seeing the concern, I don't know what to say to you. You you need to think heavily about what I've just shared. You need to check it out for yourself and know that I'm not making up any of this and maybe the light will come on for you. I don't mean to I don't mean to be personally insulting. I'm not trying to be that. I'm I'm really not. But you've got to bring more to the game because this game is for all the marbles and you have not done your homework if you're going like, this is crazy, this is nuts, this can't possibly be true. I don't know what you've been doing for the last several years, but you need to wake up. You need to do your own homework. Don't just take my word for it. And after you've done your own homework, you're going to go like, good night. Some of you may even say, I don't even believe the Bible, but I am disturbed about what I'm seeing happening here. This puts everything that I need to live in the control of a few people. Now you're starting to get it. Now, back to those black swan events. The pandemic, all on its own, was a black swan event. Um, Rare You know, nobody could have really even imagined the extent it would be, although scenarios had been run, uh, war gaming uh, for that type of event and so forth. But it was bigger than I think anybody ever imagined. We could debate how serious it actually was or not, but, but this is for sure. Under the category of pandemic, there were global lockdowns. I want you to think about what I'm saying. Global lockdowns where people were, you know, except for having a chain and a padlock put around their doors on their house, although apparently in China, welding torches were used on some of the large apartment buildings from what we hear. But the pandemic allowed governments across the world at the national uh state or province and and local level to literally lock people in their homes, lock up private businesses, and businesses were forced to be closed to the point that they've gone out of business. Citizens locked in their homes 
I'm telling you, this is completely unprecedented. That's a black swan event for sure, right there. Now, the alert among my listeners are realizing, man, this sounds an awful lot like what my granny used to tell me the Bible predicted about the thing they called the last days. It's like dress rehearsals. Yep, that's what I think they are. Now, so when will all of the real stuff start happening? I don't know that. Nobody knows that. But we can see, even from just weather events, <laughs> we can see that one of the best short-term investments you can have is food. So you can eat and water that you can drink. And there will be different ways that different people in different circumstances will solve that problem. But you need to solve that problem and not rely on the government or anyone else to solve that problem for you. In times of plenty, we should be putting items back so that in times of uh, leanness, we have a store that we can draw upon. Does that make sense? A, a, a reserve of food, a reserve of fresh drinkable water. Yep, that's what I'd recommend. Now, what about your best long-term investment? Well, if the short-term was food, then the long-term is faith. Faith in Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, and the Bible, His written Word of God. Without this kind of real faith, you will be frantically, desperately looking for a way out too late when Jesus Christ returns. You see, He already told us in John 14 that that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes unto the Father but through him. He said that about himself. And it's not too late for you right now to come to Jesus Christ in repentance from sin and placing your full faith and trust in him as your Savior and Lord believing that he died on the cross to pay the price for your sin and that he literally, physically, actually rose from the dead on the third day, victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave, and he is mighty to save, and you want to receive him as your God. That's your best long-term investment, faith, and it's not too late. We saw in the prophets that we read, they talked about that day, the day of the Lord, what we often call judgment day. That day is coming for the world at large, but if you were to pass away tonight, this week, a month from now, before that day ever comes, you would face your own personal day of judgment without Jesus Christ. You need him. He is your best long-term investment, faith in Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, and in the Bible, the written Word of God. Trust Jesus today. Now, as believers in Christ, which many of you listening are, even though we may go through times of difficulty, as I've described here, 
We know that ultimately the Lord is going to rescue his church before all of this gets as bad as it's going to get in the tribulation period with the Antichrist. The church will be raptured. So we won't face all of that in its totality. But you know, even as we saw in the ice storms in Texas and across the southeast and up into the Atlantic states, even a weather event can put you in a position where you need to be prepared with your own food and water. And of course, we always need to be prepared with the long-term investment of faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. If you've never made that decision for Christ and given your life to Him and been saved, been born again, I don't, I don't want to hear about where you go to church and how religious you are. If you've never had happen what I just described, then you need to call 877-247-2426. One more time, 877-247-2426. With Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. Instead of following Satan and the Antichrist and their losers and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ, come over to his side and be welcomed into heaven and a wonderful eternity with God and God's people. Maybe you're shy about calling and talking with someone. Go to www.chataboutjesus.com chataboutjesus.com. Well, let me remind you that you have been at This Week in the Word, which is hosted at dredhill.podbean.com. We have 131 free episodes posted at dredhill.podbean.com. I want you to follow us, subscribe to us, and I want you to share this podcast with others who need to know Jesus Christ and who need to grow in their personal faith and walk with Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week if the Lord doesn't come first on This Week in the Word. Bye-bye.